This morning we're going to continue a series uh, that we started together uh, last Sunday entitled I Worship. And we began talking about how do we release the power of praise and worship. I believe there's power in praise and worship. How about you? I believe that when the people of God come together and we begin to praise God and worship God and celebrate who He is, that unbelievable, amazing things really do begin to happen as a result of that. And so uh, last Sunday, we kind of started talking about the praise side of praise and worship. And Hebrews uh, chapter uh, 13, verse 15 says, Therefore let us offer through Jesus... A continual sacrifice. Y'all say continual. Continual sacrifice of praise to God. I mean, no praise shouldn't just happen at church, right? Praise should happen continually. Every day of our life, we should be engaged in a continual offering of praise to God, celebrating and proclaiming our allegiance to His name. So I hope, here's my prayer, and I'm going to adjust this so I don't spit so loud maybe, Kevin. Uh, There I am again, right? I don't like to hear me breathe. Uh, I like to breathe. I just don't like to hear me breathe. Uh, I hope that this morning as we worship the Lord, as we praise God, I hope that you did not shout louder yesterday for your team than you shouted this morning for Jesus. I hope when Alabama scored that first touchdown, you didn't scream at your TV louder than you screamed this morning shouting for Jesus. Amen? And so uh, I, I pray that we would be worshipers, right? That we would be praisers and that we would praise God continually because God is worthy of our praise. Let's just revisit real quick. We answered three questions last week. We said, what is praise? Number one, we said that praise is an outward expression, right? You can't praise God internally. You have to praise God externally. Praise is a proclamation. It is a declaration. It is an expression of our hearts, our adoration, celebration, and thanksgiving to God for who He is. So what is praise? An outward expression. Number two, we said, how do we praise God? Well, according to the Bible... And uh, we thought that's a pretty good place to figure out how to praise God, right? Let's just see what the Bible says. And the Bible actually says this is how we praise God. We praise God with music. We praise God with singing, with shouting, with dancing, with clapping, and with the lifting of our hands to Him. So all of those are expressions of praise. Praise is not what I do in my head. Praise is what I express through my life in adoration and celebration of who God is. Is right, so praise is an expression, and we can express praise in a lot of different ways. Then we answer the question, Why should we praise God? We said we should praise God because God is worthy, right? God is worthy of praise. How many of y'all believe God's worthy of praise this morning? I mean, let's just give him a little hand clap of praise this morning. Come on, yeah, woo! So God is worthy of praise because He redeemed us. We were made by God. We were made for God. Amen. You were created for His glory. We praise God because God's worthy of praise. We also praise God, we recognized last week, because praise invites the presence, the manifest presence of God into our lives, and His presence changes everything. And I just want to just give you a little thought real quick, and we're going to get where we want to go today. When you feel like praising God the least is when you need to praise God the most. When you feel like praising God the least is when you need to praise God the most, right? Because when you feel like praising God the least, that means that there are some probably some challenging circumstances happening in your life. You're probably overwhelmed emotionally, physically, or financially, and there's some things going on in your life that make you feel like you don't want to praise God. But it is at that moment that we need to praise Him the most. Why? Because praise invites God to show up in that circumstance. 
to show up in that situation in your life. And if you're in a place where you don't feel like praising God, you need to praise Him all the more because you need God to show up and show out in your life. And praise invites Him to manifest His presence. God inhabits, Psalms 22 says, the praises of His people. Amen? So today we're going to talk about worship. And I'm going to give you a definition of worship just straight out of the Bible. As a matter of fact, there are about five English words that we use that biblically or accurately describe what the Bible calls worship. Now for us, most people, if you would ask most Christians, especially in the American church, what's the difference between praise and worship? Most people would say praise is the fast songs, right? And worship is the slow songs. Now let's be honest, that's what we would say. Right? I mean, don't, don't you actually, I mean, I hear people say that to me all the time. Pastor Keith, I, I love, I, I don't like them praise songs that much, but I really like them worship ones. <laughs> well, we're going to find out that according to the Bible, worship has nothing to do with songs. Worship has nothing to do with the songs we sing, the music we play. has nothing to do with clapping, shouting, dancing. That's not worship. Now we think it's worship, and, and praise can be worship, but worship is not praise. There is a deeper element of worship that, that the Bible teaches and we want to look at today because we want to understand that worship is not a song we sing. Worship is a life we live. And there is power in worship. So let's, let me give you the biblical definitions of worship this morning. So what is worship? Five words that describe worship. Worship is bowing, worship is bending, worship is kissing, worship is licking. CJ talked about that last week. Uh, and worship is serving. Now, before you check out and think, Pastor Keith, you done lost your mind. Let me explain this to you and then I'm going to read some scripture to you. So worship is bowing. It literally means, the word worship in the Old Testament and in the New Testament literally means to bow down. It means to bend. It literally means to kiss the feet. And it means to lick the hand like a dog would lick the hand of his master. That's some pretty vivid images of worship. I didn't see any licking going on this morning, so I'm not real sure how many of us were really worshiping. And then last but not least, it means to serve. So Worship literally means, in the Bible, it means to bow, to bend, to kiss, to lick, and to serve. Now I want to give you a couple of scriptures and then we're going to kind of talk about how does this really apply to our life. How do we worship God? Psalms 95 says this, it says, Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Psalms 99 says, Exalt the Lord our God. And worship at his footstool. Why his footstool? Because worship is about kissing the feet of Jesus because he is holy. John 4, Jesus is speaking. He says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is seeking such to worship him. It's interesting that nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say that God is looking, well, God is looking for intercessors. Ezekiel tells us that. 
But the Bible specifically says in the New Testament that God is looking for worshipers. And we're going to see today why that's so important. Why is God looking for worshipers? Why is God looking for worshipers? And we're going to see today why that is so important. Because it is worshipers that are going to change the world. I'm just going to tell you. What's it going to take to turn America around? It's It's going to take believers that are committed to worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Worship changes the world. Amen? And we're going to see that today. Now let's look at our next scripture. I want you to see this. The Gospel of Luke. It's the temptation of Christ, if you're familiar with the story. And the Bible says, Then the devil took Jesus up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Now when the devil said to Jesus, I'm going to give you all the kingdoms of the world if you'll just worship me, he was not saying, Jesus, if you'll just sing a slow song to me. If you'll strike up the band, get the lights going, get everybody together, and if you'll just sing a slow song. I'll give you everything I got. Now, worship doesn't have anything to do with singing. The devil was looking for a whole lot more than a song that day. The thing the devil wanted Jesus to do is he wanted Jesus to bow. He wanted Jesus to bend. He wanted Jesus to kiss his feet, lick his hand, and serve his agenda. That's what he wanted Jesus to do. He wanted Jesus to worship him. And I'm going to give you in just a minute, I'm going to give you two words that accurately describe worship, that kind of bring it home and how we can apply it to our lives. But look at the rest of this scripture. But Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall worship. Serve. Somebody say amen. 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 So how do we worship God? Two words are on the screen right there. How do we worship God? We worship God by submitting to the authority of God and by serving the purposes of God. What is worship? Worship is submission and service. Think about it. What happens when a person bows, bends, kisses, or licks the hand of another person? You know what they're really doing? All of those actions are acts of submission. If you've ever seen in the Catholic Church, the Pope will do a big tour, and he'll walk through the crowd, and he'll hold out his hand, and people will kiss the hand of the Pope. If you like good fighting movies like I do, you know, there'll be moments in some of the Gladiator or Braveheart movies where whoever the the ruling dictator is will say, if you'll just bow and kiss my hand, we won't have to shed any blood here today. All the valiant warriors always refuse to bow, right? Why? Because bowing, bending, kissing, and licking is symbolic of submission. What the devil wanted Jesus to do that day is he wanted him to submit to the authority of the enemy. He wanted him to not only submit, but to begin to serve his purposes. So worship is simply submission and serving. Every time you submit to the word of God, you worship God. 
Every time you rebel against the word of God, you worship self. Let me just say this to you. Satan's greatest desire is that you would worship him. Satan's greatest desire is that you would worship him. I I, I heard an interview several years ago, and a couple pastors were interviewing a satanic priest. And it was really interesting. I was listening, and, and, and they were interviewing this satanic priest, and they asked him this question. They said, how do you get people to worship the devil? And I'll never forget what that satanic priest said. He said, oh, the satanic church doesn't worship the devil. They said, really? Who do you worship? He said, oh, that's easy. We worship ourselves. Self-worship is satanic worship. Self-worship is demonic worship. When your ideas, when your philosophies, when your desires override the authority of the Word of God, you've just worshipped self. You have made yourself God. You have just chosen your opinion over God's precept. You have just chosen your idea over God's standard. You have just chosen your feelings over God's truth. And that's self-worship. And every time we rebel against God's authority. Every time, I love Isaiah 53 because Isaiah 53, I believe, gives the clearest definition of rebellion in the Bible. Isaiah 53, I believe it's around verse 6, says this. It says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have turned everyone from from, uh, God's way and we have chosen to follow our own path. That's rebellion. Every time you choose your way over God's way, it's rebellion. And every time you choose your way over God's way, it's self-worship, demonic worship, satanic worship. It's everything but godly worship. You wonder why Jesus is looking for worshipers? When Jesus said, I'm not looking for worshipers, he did not say, I'm looking for worship teams. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for men and women that will submit their lives to the authority of God. Every time you choose to forgive instead of choose to hate, you just worship God. Every time you choose to bless instead of curse, you just worship God. Every time you choose to speak life instead of speaking death, you've just chosen to worship God. We had nine men this week and we went down to Louisiana and we worked and we sweated and we gutted houses and we removed furniture and we waited and and some stuff, and it was, it was all worship. But for every person that stayed home this week, because God told you to stay home, that was worship too. Every man that went because God said go, that was worship. Why? Because they submitted to what God told them to do. Every person that stayed home because God told them to stay home, that was worship. Because they did what God told them to do. How many of you went to work this past week so you could provide for your family? Anybody do that? How many of you know that every time you go to work to provide for your family, that's worship? See, the Bible says if a man doesn't provide for his family, he's denied the faith. He's denied the faith. 
if you don't provide for your family. So when you put forth the effort to do all that you can do to provide for your family, you know what that effort's called? That effort's called worship. Flipping McDonald's, burgers at McDonald's, that's called worship. Right? How many moms in the house today? Any moms? How many of you moms work really hard at trying to raise your kids right? You know what the Bible calls that? Worship. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. That's worship. Every time you bust their tail, that's worship. Every time you take their cell phone away, that's worship. Every time you pull the cord on their PlayStation, that's worship. Every time you turn the TV off, that's worship. Why? Because you're training up your children in the way they should go. Because we, I want you to hear this right now. We have, I, I meet adults all the time. 50, 60, 70, 80 year old. And they grew up in a home where there were no rules and there were no regulations and there was no care and there was no confirmation and there was no affirmation and there was no love. And the fruit of their raising almost destroyed them. Because when you don't submit to God's authority, you submit to the enemy's authority. Jesus said, I bring life. He said, the thief brings death. See, that's worship. When you discipline your kids, that's worship. When you love your kids, that's worship. When you affirm your kids, that's worship. That's submitting to the authority of God. When you serve the purposes of God, that's worship. When you tell somebody about Jesus, that's worship. When you pray for somebody that's hurting, that's worship. When you serve somebody that's in need, that's worship. When you treat your neighbor the way you want to be treated, even though they didn't treat you that way, that's worship. When you refuse to be overcome by evil, but instead decide to overcome evil with good, that is worship. That's worship. And that's what God's looking for. God is looking for worshipers. He's looking for people that will submit to his authority and serve his purpose. Every time you submit and every time you serve, you worship. And when you don't, you're not. Well, let me just rephrase it and say it this way. Everybody's worshiping somebody all the time. Everybody's worshiping somebody all the time. You're either worshiping God or you're worshiping self. But everybody's worshiping somebody. Well, I just don't want to do that. Well, if God said do it, do it. Because it's the right thing to do. It's good. It's holy. It's just. It's beneficial. It's profit. It's profitable for your life. So let's talk about the last point here. Why should we worship? I want to give you kind of two key thoughts right here. Why should we worship? So what is worship? How do we worship? Now, why do we worship? Number one, worship advances the kingdom of God and establishes God's will on the earth. Let's look in Luke chapter 11. Jesus is speaking. He's teaching the disciples to pray, and this is what he says to them. When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me just say this to you. That prayer will never be answered without worshipers. The only way for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven is somebody's got to worship. Somebody's got to submit to God's authority and somebody's got to serve 
God's purpose. How many singles in the house? How many single people in the house? Very good. Raise your hand. Very proud. One more time, all the singles. Very good. Every time you commit to purity instead of immorality, you worship God. And you know what you do? Every time you do that, you advance God's kingdom. You want to know why there is such a depravity of sexual immorality in our world today? The world is sexually immoral because the church is not worshiping God. I didn't say the church is not singing songs. We got more people singing songs than have ever been singing songs. But our culture is continually demoralizing and shifting toward darkness. Why? Because we come to church and we sing songs, but we go home and we don't worship. See, worship is what you do when you leave this place. Worship is what you do when you get out on Monday morning and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and all through the week. The reality is this. How do we advance the kingdom of God? We advance the kingdom of God through worship. When we submit to His authority and we serve His purposes, guess what happens? God's kingdom comes and God's will is done. And when we don't, then darkness advances. Darkness does not advance because wickedness is great. Darkness advances because the church is not worshiping. <laughs> Almost kicked it off, but I did. <laughs> worship is so critical to your life and my life that our worship, who we worship, not only determines where we're going to spend eternity, but it also determines the kind of life we're going to live. If you want to see God's will done in your family, start worshiping God. Start submitting and start serving. Start submitting and start serving. And you know what will happen? God's kingdom will come and God's will will be done in your family. You want to see the kingdom of God come in our community? Then start worshiping, start submitting, and start serving. Go to work with a good attitude. Don't gripe, grumble, and complain about what your boss asked you to do. As a matter of fact, go the extra mile and do a little bit more than what he asked you to do because that's worship. Yes, that's, right. that's worship. The Bible says do all things without murmuring and complaining. That's a pretty bold statement. Because I've met some people, I don't think they can do anything without murmuring and complaining. You know what I'm talking about? But when you do it without murmuring and complaining, you know what that is? That's worship. And worship advances the kingdom of God. You want to win, win your, job, your job site for Christ? And let me just say, as you're a Christian, you ought to be desiring to see the kingdom of God advance on your place of employment. The way you start doing that is you stop complaining, grumbling, and griping about the boss, about the work environment, about the people you work with, about the conditions you work with. Because guess what? If you'll shut up and listen, everybody you work with is griping, grumbling, and complaining. But if you'll be a little bit different and do all things without murmuring and complaining, you know what will happen? You'll bring light into darkness. 
And all of a sudden, you'll begin to be a voice of influence that'll turn that culture that you're working in for the glory of God. The reason most Christians aren't reaching people for Christ is because they act like everybody else around them. And unless you submit and serve God, you're not worshiping. And if you're not worshiping, you're not advancing the kingdom of God in your realm of influence. Now, the last point. I got four minutes, Steve. You good? He can't hear me. He's got to. I said, you're really handsome. I'm glad you're up here today. <laughs> last point. Let's look at the last point here. Why do we worship? Because worship unlocks your divine potential and it unlocks your divine purpose. Let's look in Genesis chapter 1. Thank you very much. Good job, guys. So God created man in his own image. Back up if we can. Well, go ahead. You were right. Go ahead, verse 26. I'm sorry. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God saw everything that he made. Let's stop right here. And indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Why do you need to worship? Because you were created in the image and likeness of God. And it's only when you submit and serve your creator will you release and unlock your potential. Your potential and your purpose is found in your submission and your service to God. That's the only way. You'll never know your full potential You'll never discover your divine purpose until you begin to worship God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. When I submit to His authority and I serve His purposes, you know what happens? It begins to unlock my potential. All of a sudden, I become somebody I've never been before. And I get to do things I've never done before. And I get to go places I've never gone before. And I get to experience things I've never experienced before, all because I made a decision I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to submit and I'm going to serve every single day. See, because if Jesus is Lord, He's Lord on Monday just like He is on Sunday. If Jesus is Lord, He's Lord on Saturday just like He is on Sunday, right? If Jesus is Lord, He's Lord of all. And worship is submitting, yes, Lord, and serving the purposes of God. Now, the Bible says when God saw everything that He made, that indeed it was very good. When God made man, God said it was good. I want to read you this. Because this is literally the Hebrew definition for the word good. So this is what good means in Genesis 1.31. It means beautiful. It means the best. It means better. It means bountiful, cheerful, at ease, fair, favored, fine, glad, good, gracious, joyful, kind, Liked, loved, merry, pleasant, pleasurable, precious, prosperous, ready, sweet, wealthy, full of welfare, and well-favored. When God saw you, and He created me and you in the image and likeness of Himself, God said, you're good. You're good. 
There is greatness shut up on the inside of you. There is glory shut up on the inside of you. Your life is intended to be good. It's intended to be beautiful. It's intended to be pleasurable. It's intended to be full of favor and grace and mercy and prosperity and wealth. And God's glory and God's favor is intended to be upon your life. I want you to understand, when you worship God, your life becomes good. When you worship God, your life becomes good. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have challenges, and it doesn't mean you don't have problems. We just heard from Heather this morning. But it means in the midst of the challenges and the problems and the struggles of life, you can still stand in front of a church full of people and say, I'm not, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to kick this thing's butt, right? I'm going to love Jesus. I'm going to love people. I'm going to serve God. Right? Because when you worship God, life is good. Now, Jeremiah 13. I want to read a few verses to you. The Bible says, This is what the Lord said to me. Go and buy a linen loincloth and put it on, but do not wash it. So I bought the linen loincloth as the Lord directed me, and I put it on. And then the Lord gave me another message. He said, Take the linen loincloth you're wearing and go to the Euphrates River and hide it there in a hole in the rocks. So I went and hid it by the Euphrates as the Lord had instructed me. And after a long time, and and a long time afterward, the Lord said to me, go back to the Euphrates River and get the loincloth that I told you to hide there. So I went to the Euphrates and dug it up out of the hole where I had hidden it. But now it was rotting and falling apart, and the loincloth was good for nothing. And then I received this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. This shows how how I will rot away the pride of Judah and Jerusalem. Look at verse 10. He describes the nation of Israel right here. And here's how the nation of Israel is. These wicked people refuse to listen to me. They're not submitted. They stubbornly follow their own desires. They're not submitted. And they worship other gods. Therefore, they will become like this loincloth, good for nothing. If you worship God, your life will be good. If you worship anything else, your life will be good for nothing. And we all know people whose lives have been good for nothing. Right? Everywhere they go, they leave a wake of destruction, devastation, and chaos. Now, their life is not good for nothing, but the life they're living is. God values their life. God wants to redeem your life and my life. God wants to rescue our lives. But I want you to understand, if you worship anything but God... Your life will be good for nothing. It won't profit you. It won't profit your family. It won't profit your community. It won't profit the kingdom of God. It won't profit anybody. As a matter of fact, it will be good for nothing. But we have a choice. And it all really comes down to this one thing. Who are you going to worship? If you worship God, your life can be good. Not problem-free, not trial-free, not challenges-free, but it can be good in the midst of the problems. But if you worship anything other than God, your life will end up being good for nothing. Not only will you not enjoy life, the people connected to you won't enjoy their life. Your future children won't enjoy their life. You'll create a habit of destruction and devastation. And you'll look back on your life and say, you know what, my life's been good for nothing. 
But here's the good news. God redeems broken lives. And every person in this room has the potential to live a life that is good, that is profitable, that is beneficial, that is influential, that has the power and potential to change not only your life, but other people's lives for the glory of God. Who will 